0: Doesn't life change? A few years ago it was all about um, keeping up with the Joneses and bigger cars and bigger houses and better holidays and now we're starting to see that turn on its head and see hints of people looking for a simpler life and in some cases being proud of um, getting away with less. Frugality is starting to become trendy and our trend predictor, futurologist Richard Watson, is with Afternoons now to tell us where he sees this modern turnabout going. Is it just a fad or can we expect to see it catch on in the future? Hi
1: Richard. Hi there, how are you?
0: Yes, I'm well, thank you. Are we really starting to expect less?
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, I think it depends on, on where you're sitting and you know which country you are and how old you are and a bunch of other stuff. Um, I think it's, it's wrong to say that everyone is going in the same direction. I think people are going in slightly different Directions. I mean, I think we're undoubtedly at the beginning of a new era in which sort of social, environmental, ethical considerations are central to any sort of new you know, discussion or issue, idea, or even purchase. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of people talking about utility and fixing things, you know, not throwing them away and all the rest of it. And I think there are a large number of people out there generally for whom less is the new aspiration. It's, you know, it's what can I do without rather than what, what do I actually want. But I'm not sure that either it's going to last or it's actually going to affect that many people. I, I do actually think this is largely a fad, particularly in Australia.
0: Well, you still see, I think, when you, you know, I don't um, you know if you're aware of those verge pickups where people toss stuff out and you still see, see things like, um, like uh, old-fashioned televisions and things like that. I mean, not only old-fashioned because they're not um, slimline and, and, and flat screen and you think they probably work perfectly well, but it's, there's a new trend. So it's a long-winded way of saying you could be right.
1: No, I mean, we had, we had throughout day this morning and there is stuff on the street that you wouldn't believe. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I mean, television's being a case in point because somebody's got some you know, new flat screen the size of a football pitch and they've just tossed out something that's 18 months old and, and perfectly good. So, I mean, clearly that this whole sort of greed is good thing is still there and I think it's still strong. I think this, this whole utility thing was was very strong 12, 18 months ago and it looked like there was going to be this sort of really serious global recession, but I think Australia is sort of coming out of that and a lot of people are, are going back to their other. normal old ways, although there are you know a substantial number of people that are actual, or have always been in this other space, which is to do with actually looking after things, and I think you know they 're in the right space in a sense because I think the way that we run the world just isn 't sustainable longer term We have to actually change our our minds really
0: and that 's becoming in, in in a similar way to, i guess to um, how we used to brag about stuff we had you you kind of brag about your eco credentials now
1: oh absolutely, but again, I mean I think this is sort of petering out a little bit. I mean, a year ago, we would we would be bragging, or some people would be bragging about how little they paid for something or what they found at some sort of clothing swap or something. I think that is slightly petering out. But there there are still people, you know, it's all about conspicuous non-consumption for some people. It's not just about doing with less, It's which is very much sort of in the it's, it's about showing the rest of the world how frugal you are. So it's actually quite in your face in some cases.
0: And um, I, Well, I saw a, a little piece in, um, a, as you say, a, oh, it was on a documentary somewhere, I think, and it was two little two little guys and they live, um, Fremantle it is a bit of a hippie culture and they, uh, they'd put lots of solar panels, all of these um, innovations to save electricity and so their meters are going backwards and they're saving money and they have this massive competition between the two of them to see who's um, getting more money for their electricity out of the government rather than paying more for it. Right. Which well, is that's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, but I mean, what I'm, I mean, for example, what I'm seeing that is is quite odd is people building these eco homes that are full of cement, for example. So yes, they've got the, the Prius on the drive, but the house is full of cement and it's got air conditioning into it. I mean, I suppose it's just a very complicated area, and it's, it's it's very difficult to say what's right and what's wrong at the moment. I mean, it's just a very sort of confusing mess, to be honest, and it's it's quite unclear. I mean, is it is it easier on the environment to have your coffee in a ceramic mug or a polystyrene cup now? Some people will say one and other people with some justification will say the other. There seems to be evidence supporting both points of view, so it's a bit tricky. But there, there does seem to be a bit of a shift going towards just, you know, just cutting back a bit and being a bit more sensible. I mean, we do live in the most ridiculous way that the minute something goes slightly wrong, we toss it out and get another one. I mean, that, that really ought to stop.
0: And do you see it stopping? How difficult is this sort of thing to predict? It, you know, well, 10, I
1: I saw it stopping a lot over the last 18 months, two years, when you know, pretty much when the GFC bit, um, there was a very significant shift in consumption. I mean, people were getting rid of thirsty cars, getting rid of second cars. They weren't going on holiday, or they are going on holiday locally. Um, you know, when things were breaking, they would fix it or they would put off expensive purchases or purchases became much more considered. And people were, you know, they were still buying things, but they were, in a sense, buying better quality things and looking after them. Um, but I'm beginning to see that now petering out. I think people are, they, we have very short memories. We, we are going back to our other naughty ways of, of, of throwing out perfectly good equipment on the side of the street because we want the latest blingy thing.
0: Is that because, because um, one of the other things you you were talking about is... Um, you, you fear fatigue and so we're, you know, at the moment we're really frightened um, about the climate and we're, we're thinking, well, you know, our resources are finite, the world is hurting from our consumerism so maybe, you know, we're trying to save things but uh, will we just get tired of that?
1: I mean, I think again, this, it depends on what, where you're sitting. I mean, I think fear fatigue is a very much an English thing, back in England right now, and to some extent the US. But I think in sunny Australia, where the economy is, is very buoyant in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't think that is really a feature. I mean, what I was getting at with fear fatigue is that we've had a sort of catalogue of things that are probably going to kill us or get terrible, and it seems that they never do. So the global recession. Was fairly modest in the grand scheme of things compared to what we thought we were going to get. The um, uh, was it the swine flu epidemic never really happened, you know. And it goes back to you know Y2K and, and the of the deep vein thrombosis God. on flights. So all of this stuff that is being predicted is going to be terrible. Never actually sort of. Quite pans out like that, so I think there's a a sort of fatigue around listening to these experts, politicians, journalists, whatever. And we're just thinking, well, I'm just going to get on with life. And if some, you know, if an asteroid comes and blows up the earth, well, you know, so be it. And I'm just going to sort of forget about all this stuff because there's only so much worry you can you can do in a day.
0: Well, yes, and you might want to whip out and get your flat-screen television before the world ends. Yeah. It's um. Do you do you ever factor in a a, a world? end when you're setting trends like you know 10 or 20 years ahead do you set trends no from not really I, did, I mean you? Do I, you I, 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 s- I mean if the
1: world ends I'm probably not going to be around to ponder it and um you know i know i mean i think that's that's always possible but i think it's so unlikely i think there's some other stuff we should be worrying about apart from rogue asteroids and the sun going out or world war three or flu pandemics or whatever I, I think there's there's a lot of other stuff that is a lot more certain and a lot closer to home that we should be dealing with i mean um you know i don't know i can't think of anything off my head. i mean the aboriginal issue i think is something we should be thinking about far more than whether we get hit by an asteroid to be honest
0: well, sure, and I mean, there's, um, there's there's a lot of those. How do you how do you um, how do you predict trends on those sort of issues?
1: Indeed, absolutely. I mean, I think I think with, it was interesting with the um, the GFC. We we suddenly forgot about the environment for a little while. Mm. Um, I think it was because we had something more immediate to worry about. It was a bit closer to home, a bit more immediate, a bit more threatening. Um, But now that we've got that sort of sorted out, I think we're going to shift back to the environment and that's going to come back with quite a sort of significant force. It's going to come back stronger and faster than before and, you know, we'll we'll worry about that as soon as we think the economy's fixed, which I think is more or less about now. And Particularly with WA, I think it's just going to go straight back to the the boom times that you had very recently.
0: And straight back to massive consumerism.
1: Absolutely, because ultimately we're stupid. I mean, we have have no memory and we're greedy. I mean, I think some of the, the real key drivers... Don't go away. I mean, you know, greed didn't end. It just had a little rest for a couple of years, and I think it's going to come storming back along with stupidity.
0: But we are, um, um, and if you, you know, if, you t- if you take the, uh, the, the, cl- the climate change line, if then, then these predictions from, you know, outer space, or not asteroids hitting us, but maybe in 10 or 20 years' time we'll use up everything here. I mean, that's, that's not an uncommon kind of um, theory, and start having to look to live elsewhere and if you're looking 20 years ahead or you're looking 30 years ahead is that something you factor in?
1: I think yeah I mean resources is is a really serious issue if the population globally keeps growing And, and it's not just the numbers of people it's how people are consuming so in Asia you've got people changing their diet and that has incredibly significant consequences equally people moving from the countryside into large um, urban areas has tremendous consequences for how resources are used or, you know, China now is the biggest car market in the world and pretty soon there's going to be more cars in China than the rest of the world put together now. So if all of this sort of stuff comes together, I think we're going to be not just peak oil, but you're going to have peak water, peak copper, peak lithium, absolutely everything. And that is, a, is you know, linked into the whole climate change debate, but to some extent slightly separate as well. Um, and that's something i spend an awful lot of time thinking about. I mean, how does the world change when oil is 200 a barrel? I would think it would change really quite significantly and I don't think it's a question of of if I think it's just a question of when
0: and how uh, and, and how surely
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think actually, funny enough, it could be rather good news if if oil becomes incredibly expensive. I mean, food would become much more expensive, so we wouldn't waste it quite so much. You know, we might all get a bit thinner. We might start getting out of the cars a bit more and walking and getting on bikes and public buses and all the rest of it. Um, And I think a lot of manufacturing and consumption could localize again, which could be good news um, in terms of employment or something. So, you know, maybe that's got a bit of a silver lining in it at some level.
0: And it seems quite, you know, from what you're saying about um, consumerism, you know, pulling back a little bit in times of um, really harsh economies, and then and then just going straight back to it was. It seems almost un- quite unlikely people will stop. Almost I, more likely they will look.
1: I think, funnily enough, the the oil thing might might have a much bigger effect on behaviour. I mean, I think the, the GFC wasn't a big enough shock to fundamentally change behaviour. If we'd had the Great Depression too, yes, obviously, we would have started questioning everything. We would have questioned how politics operates, how business operates, how capitalism operates. Um, and We could have invented a whole new way of living, but at the end of the day, it was actually a bit of a blip in the grand scheme of things, particularly in, in Asia, I mean, it's not quite the same. in mean, you know, If you're sitting in Greece right now, or even in Britain, you, you probably wouldn't be saying that. But in Australia, I, I, you know, I think it's been a relatively mild recession. Um, I mean, in some areas, you could barely see it at all. Uh, and I, so I don't think that's, that's a big enough sort of whack in the head to actually make us change. But possibly, you know, incredibly expensive oil will actually force that. I mean, if you look at what happened to Cuba, I think it was in the 90s or late 80s, I can't remember, um, when they had the oil embargo and they had to get by with something like 80 or, or 90% reduction in the amount of oil that the country used, that fundamentally shifted how people actually lived in Cuba. And we may well be seeing that coming our way.
0: I'm talking to Futurologist Richard Watson on the latest consumer trend, Conspicuous Frugality, and we've shifted a little bit from that. Have you have you um, looked as part of your work uh, into how long we might expect it to be until oil does run
1: out? Yeah, I've I've looked at that quite a lot, actually, and I think there's a, a fair amount of misinformation about that. I mean, it's interesting, you know, when do we panic about peak oil? And generally, we panic about it when it gets very expensive. So our last panic was when it was about 147 a barrel, and there were a lot of articles about peak oil has arrived and all the rest of it. And then it dropped to about 47 a barrel, and we haven't hardly seen an article on it since. I think my my reading of it is that we have undoubtedly hit sort of peak easy oil. You know, we, we've got all the easy stuff out, but there is still a phenomenal amount of oil still around in various forms. I mean, not just the stuff we're used to in sight, in, you know, looking at sort of oil in sand and shales and all the rest of it. And there's also tons of gas we're discovering. So, I mean, I, I personally don't think we will hit peak oil in this century, quite frankly. I think there is a phenomenal amount of it there, and we're going to get smarter and smarter about getting it out. But it's going to get more and more expensive.
0: Thank you for that, Richard. It'll be interesting to see.
1: Thank you very much, indeed.